You're listening to the American Soccer Analysis Show. Dude, you're, you're the Tommy McNamara of podcasting. It's great. Thank you. Wait, what? With your hosts, Ian Lamberson. If you say one more bad thing about Mike Grella, I'm going to cut you. And Harrison Crow. Patrick Mullins is what happens when you least expect it. Hello, everybody, and yes, welcome to the American Soccer Analysis Show. I'm your host, Ian, with me as always. Every podcast, every moment, Harrison leaves everything on the field. It's Harrison Crow. Say hey to everybody, Harrison. Everything on the field. You, you know what? After I get done with this, I immediately start crying because just I'm emotionally spent. <laughs> we had a friend of ours talking to us. So he was just like, is he going to do this after every game? Because that's going to get really old. And I, I had to laugh because it's true. It will get very old. Uh, you know, my 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 heart goes out to Chicharito. Uh, but but yeah, come on. Come on. It's a lot. It, it's, it's a lot. It, it's a, you know what? No, uh, like I really appreciate like being transparent about where you're at. Like as a human being, I really appreciate that because there's a lot of people that, uh, like sports figures in general that just talk in these very, uh, these platitudes that just like what they, they don't make sense half the time. They don't apply to anyone or the sport half the time. Like they don't exist as real people. And so I appreciate like he had this moment of like transparency about mental health, which is like important. And I think a lot of people can identify, but then on the same time, it's just, it, it's like that really good moment. that's kind of stretched for too long to where it starts to feel, uh, maybe insinc- wanting more Chicharito. Yeah, yeah. Just wanting more. No, I, I'm joking. It's great. I'm glad he's he's he's. Well, it seems it, it 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 seems insincere and exacerbated, right? Like that's that's where it starts. After like three or four games, it starts to feel that way. I think if if it weren't covered so breathlessly, uh, I probably wouldn't be even have noticed. It. <laughs> but the fact that it's just kind of been jumped on, like this guy, look at what he's done. You know, it's just like yeah, yeah he's, he's yeah. Yeah, he's doing a good job. He's he's doing his job. It's great. Like it's cool. He's doing exactly what we thought he was going to do last year. Last year, you know, but he's doing well. And and I think we got to talk about as much as I, I am already like, oh my gosh, I'm sick of hearing about Chicharito. Like just saying Chicharito. We're gonna have to discuss Chicharito, Harrison. It's the biggest story in sports. Not true. The biggest story in Major League Soccer. Not even close to the biggest story in sports. Not even really the biggest story in Major League Soccer this week, no, is it? Not really. <laughs> but I mean, he's a, he, he's a, he's a, I mean, you know. Wild week of Major League Soccer, Harrison. He leads an expected, go- oh, no, he doesn't. No, no, he does no, not. He but, no. but it is better. 
He's up there, though, I think, right? It's him and no, yeah. Diaz. And... Well, so I really wanted to take this moment to like jump on the, ha-ha, I was right about NYC train. and uh... Yeah, good job on that one, man. I was definitely doubting them. We also kind of doubted Seattle. We're we're not we're not we're not. I don't think we doubted Seattle. I think we just thought that they'd fall a little bit more back to the pack. I do believe I spoke out against Chicharito. I spoke out against Gonzalo Higain. Well, yeah, but I mean, I don't think anybody saw the the revelation that is Rubio Rubin coming. Oh, for sure, Rubio Rubin has just absolutely been. uh, So true story, like. I was transitioning from Alabama to Seattle, and I have a really good friend that I love to talk soccer with. Probably one of the the funnest guys to talk soccer with. Thank uh, you. Outside yeah, of yourself, I am. I am. yeah. Uh, there we go. <laughs> so he, this was back in 2014. He just endlessly talked my ear off about Rubio Rubin. Like back, this was back when he was in the Netherlands. This was, he had watched four or five of his like youth games, like, right. Like he had found like a bunch of tape on him and just was telling me and telling me and telling me and telling me like, this is, this guy's legit. This guy's from the Pacific Northwest. You should be rooting for this guy. And, uh, yeah, like six years later, you know, here he is. There he's, it is, finally. He's an entertaining player for a surprisingly entertaining Real Salt Lake team. Um, you know, they're fun. They're fun. They got this guy. They're they fine. Got your, they got your Demir Krylak, who's looking good this year. You got your, you know, it's a thing. It's a thing, Harris. I've never been a Demir Krylak fan. In fact, to be perfectly honest, I have not been a fan. I I, I like uh, Anderson Julio. Anderson Julio's a thing. RSL's a thing, Harrison. It's time to understand. It's time. It's time to accept this. I, I want. I, I hope that they've gotten to the stage in their and their evolution that they're accepting the fact that they're a defensive for first team that's going to have to counter. And the problem is, is they've been very good defensively, but they feel like they've lost that counter ability over the years to where they want to transition, and they've transitioned really slowly with the pieces that they have. And so it's good to see that they're utilizing those counterattacking pieces that they have, and they're putting them in good positions, right? But that's not necessarily how they've always been scoring. I mean, even, even Rubio Rubin's like goal this past week kind of had to come out of nowhere. Um, they... It did come from nothing. That was quite a goal. So, uh, yeah, and, and it's not to disparage him. Like that was that that was crazy, right? I, I uh, that's going to be shown on highlights for a while. Did you ever play Football Manager? A little bit, yeah, yeah. So you know, like they have that one stat that's just called flare, which is like <laughs> this this double sided kind of sword where it's like the player is going to try to do crazy things, and sometimes they're going to come off. That was a 20 of 20 flare from the football manager rating right there. Uh, that was a Rivaldo-esque goal. That was a was a worldie, Harrison. There's no other way to say it. Let's not pretend like it wasn't a worldie just because it goes against our narratives. What uh, would you? What did you call it a couple weeks ago? It wasn't a Thunder Bastard. Oh, Thunder Bastard. That, a okay. Thunder Bastard is a, a long-distance goal hit with great aplomb um, and velocity. Like Jackson Yules, who we, we were off, we were we were off for a couple of weeks. We didn't get to talk about that one, but that was a thunder bastard for sure. Speaking of the San Jose Earthquakes, Harrison, they have a match tonight against the Seattle Sounders, which will already be done. 
by the time you hear this podcast, but it's not started yet for us. You know what, though? I, I, it's going to be a fun game, right? Like, I, I see the buzz on Twitter today. I, I do think it's going to be a fun game. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Um, it's if interesting. you are a fan of underlying numbers, San Jose's are looking pretty okay. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 I talked to our, our, our friend uh, earlier today, uh, Mark, uh, kind of about this. And I, I think that it's going to be... Um, it's going to be one of the better games, I think, between these two clubs. Uh, I think there's a lot of different ways that both teams can attack each other. And I think that there's a lot of different ways that both teams can go about uh, defending each other as well. Um, so it'll be kind of it'll be kind of a chess match, I think. And it'll be it'll be fun to see how that plays out on the field. All right. Let's let's take a step back. Let's let's pull the camera out because we have a lot of non uh, on the field news going on this week in Major League Soccer. And I like to comment on that stuff because it's something I um, can't really be judged for later. Uh, totally because, fair. Because it's like, you know, if I say something about, oh, Nashville is actually good, and like they're going to go and lose three games, people are going to be like, Ian's dumb. Why don't we listen to this podcast? Uh, but if I say things like, <laughs> Columbus really screwed this one up, no one could disagree with me on that. Uh, Big story this week, Harrison, the Columbus Crew rebrand. I got to get your thoughts on this. I know you're a passionate person about graphic design. I know that you are someone who has studied logos, uh, marketing, branding extensively. Um, you had that whole website about it back in the day. Like, wh- what's your take on this? I really like the curvature of the arm, and I think that this is this is what's going to net them the uh, the additional fifteen thousand uh, fans, even though they lose. What a quote! Uh, what a quote! <laughs> Boy, man, if you had a list of things you do not say, if you're, <laughs> oh, just looking at a guy like, well, if you leave because you're unhappy, we don't care because maybe we'll get one and a half of you tomorrow. It's not good optics, Harris. Now, I think, listen, I, I think people get too hung up on this stuff. I do. I like. I don't care about it very much personally. Like, yeah, change the logo, whatever. It, it's not a, it's not a thing. I think that these things kind of tend to be. Uh, I think the immediate response to these things is almost universally always negative, no matter what. Um, I've rarely seen like a, a rebrand or something released that everyone was like, oh my gosh, great work. Uh, you know, it's the same reason why people like the old thing. It's because they had time with it. Um, you know, it, 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 the reason why like these these other logos have so much meaning to people and why they get so attached to them. And so it's because, you know, they have history. Uh, so when there's a new one, you don't have that sense of history. So it's just a JPEG. And it, of course, that seems weird to like replace this whole thing and this sense memory that you've built up with a JPEG uh, that you don't you don't you think looks kind of funny because it doesn't look like this thing that you have an attachment to. But I, I, I try to like go, okay, and remember that and realize that most of the time these things turn out fine. Like, do you remember like when the Sounders dropped that uh, Jimi Hendrix jersey? It was just that one picture and everyone was like, this is absurd well i was i was gonna go back to the cascadia trio right like each one of those teams when they unveiled their logo all of them even the timbers man the timbers like faced this whole debacle over like how the handle was was faced i think uh if that was correct maybe i'm I'm misremembering but i remember even the timbers had issues with you know their their mls branding uh, coming to MLS and people kind of feeling like they were they were doing a disservice 
to the former clubs of the past. I know the Sounders had issues with theirs mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. and the Whitecaps as well. Like every, it doesn't matter what teams and, and we've all heard about all the success stories from uh from all three of these organizations well maybe not all three uh we've heard the success two, stories two about the three, certainly <laughs> two of the three about uh their their coming into mls and how successful that was uh just branding into the city and, and getting the city to back them and you know even with all of that and even with all the the very popular you know uh stories of oh this went so well they still had issues they still had people that that did that were not fans of what they did and i think that's a really good accurate portrayal um yeah that's that's good commentary and in the end it's always fine like it's fine everything turns out fine all the jerseys they're fine all the logos, they're fine. They're perfectly fine things for what they are. Like if it's not like a middle finger or something that looks like a swastika, it's probably all right. A middle finger might be cool. I don't know. Depends on the club. Depends on the the atmosphere. You know. But I, there are obvious pitfalls to avoid. But like, as long as you got, yeah, it's fine. I don't think the logo looks good for Columbus. I think it looks stupid, but it's fine. It's okay. Deep breaths. It's gonna be all right. It wasn't the only major story that broke this week. We woke up, I think it was Tuesday morning this week, to all of the tea being spilled on the pages of The Athletic um, about Atlanta United Soccer Football Club. Yeah, that was a story, huh? It was a tale, Harrison. It was a tale. Now, on this podcast, I feel like I have been on record saying that that front office was dysfunctional. This, I think, confirms some of those suspicions a lot of us had. Uh, was there anything in there that was shocking to you? Like, what was what was the most revelatory uh, revelation in, in that piece to you? <laughs> the fact that they basically didn't call Bielsa back. Uh, Why didn't they call Bielsa back? Uh, look, it might not have worked out. It probably wouldn't have. But it's unfair to deny us as an MLS community the opportunity to see all of that unfold. Well, and not only that, the fact that like it was basically a done deal and then like it was just, eh, we'll get around to it. And the reasons were fine. I mean, if the guy was saying, I need full control of the roster, listen, buddy, Bielsa, you're a, you're a soccer genius of, of your own sort and you march to the beat of your own drummer and I love all that. Uh, but like, welcome to major league soccer that was going to be a difficult that was always going to be a difficult sell given the the, the specific situation or just like communicating like a professional look we're interviewing we're interviewing somebody right now like if it works out we're going to tell them it works out if it doesn't we're going to like we're just not going to tell them just like eh, that didn't work out we're just we're 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 not going we're not going to hire you and let's not say anything to him or you know anybody uh, related to him because uh, that's just an awkward conversation. So let's just not do it. But I feel like if you're in that situation, you have to risk the potential success of your club, of your investment, in order to provide the rest of us with a very entertaining spectacle. <laughs> I mean, MLS sure is how would have loved that. I mean, yeah, it's, it, it, 
you can't you can't sell me that they wouldn't have. I they would have profited. Been. I was thinking about that the other day. Like, what if 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 MLS got Mourinho and like how oh. how irksome would that be? Like, how much would they like? That would just be it. Like, that would just be all we talked about that whole year was just like, well, what did he say? What did he do on the sidelines? Did he kick a water bottle? What does that mean? (laughs) (laughs) No, because, and to a certain degree, I don't even think it would be that small. I I don't think it would be that menial. I think it would be pretty, uh, I think he would come out every week and say something because, and it would be of substance. It would be like, you know what? I think Landon Donovan was a terrible American athlete. And <laughs> like, like, what? Where'd you get that? And he'd come up with that, or like he'd be like, he'd be like, you know, this league is just never gonna be good because of the salary cap. And like all the MLS reporters and like punditry and like media machine would just be like, oh, this is so good for the league, this exposure. Well, and not he wouldn't even just blanket st- he would specifically say, I think the salary cap needs to be X and it needs to be transformed. And he'd go into this very <laughs> like subtle but very elegant way of like demeaning the salary cap while giving his take on it. Yeah. And also making sure that everybody knew that anything going wrong with this team was not actually his fault. No, he's a genius. He is a Spanish genius. Well, oh, he's, not, he's, not Spanish, but you know, he's what Portuguese. I mean. But yeah, he he is a genius. He does speak well in Spanish. That was that was actually a quote from a TV show. So was it? Yeah, yeah. It just was really appropriate. It was really appropriate there. Can't can't let that one go. That was a senior chain co- quote from the community. Ah, uh, that's right. Spanish genius. I, of course, of course. Um. Well, now I kind of want an MLS team to hire Mourinho. No, Maybe it should be I Atlanta. Still don't, I, I, yeah. I still don't want that to happen. All right, Atlanta, you want to make up the BL as a thing to us? Yeah. It's the only way. It's the only way. So, yeah, so uh, it's an interesting thing to see that. Uh, we don't really get a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff like that. Uh, certainly um, not just randomly dropped one morning. Uh and, you know, we spent a lot of time, I think, uh, you know, at, at ASA, like evaluating players and stats and things like that. So we like to, you know, kind of fancy ourselves armchair general managers a bit, uh, front office, you know, uh, kind of types, uh, you know, certainly people that are better at that, you know, that do things for ESA have gone on to, to roles in front offices around the league. Um, so we don't get like we get we hear some things, but we don't ever really hear that much. Uh and it's a it's a fascinating look into like okay like this is where things can go wrong and like it, it's a simple thing like turns out that the guy managing your team and the guy building your team kind of need to get along and they kind of need to have like similar goals uh, otherwise you know you have problems and it's just a very like well I would think that it would be hard to look at Bokenegger and be like you're terrible and it'll be hard to look at Tata and be like no you're terrible. You know, it's like, okay, you can both be really good at what you're doing, but if you're not doing the same thing, it won't be good. That is a fact. It's a fact. It's a fact of life. So, all right. That's all the uh, leak gossip and, 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 and populist topics um, I think we're going to cover today. Let's talk about some actual uh, soccer uh, on the field stuff. Uh, what, what's, uh, what's, been your, what's been your take on this MLS season so far, Harrison? Uh, up is black, down is, uh, some other color. Uh, right. Like, um, there, there's been some weird stuff like Nashville now has good underlying numbers. That's, I don't know what to do with that. Um, 
also uh the white caps mm-hmm. uh, have uh, like if you were to look at like the top five teams with gold differential uh gold differential minus expected gold differential they are sitting number two behind seattle and they've at times they they've been their dysfunctional self but there is signal that team is quietly come together and it I think that by the end of the year, they could push for a playoff spot. <gasps> but Harrison, it's the Vancouver Whitecaps. I, look, not. look, look, I know, I know, I know, I know what I'm saying. I know this is, this is crazy. Uh, I mean, they got nine points. They actually are in a playoff spot right now. I didn't even realize that myself. Uh, but like th- there is some, a uh, decent team there. And I know that they have a, a negative expected goal differential right now, but um, look, there is there is some signal there. Uh, I, I I think that there's some some interesting and I know how much I get teased for this. <laughs> there is some interesting numbers. Fascinating. That, fascinating, positive uh numbers that I think they could build off of. And I don't think that they're gonna continue to be a top five uh Western conference team, but I, I definitely think they're gonna be uh, they're going to be in the mix going forward. Let's break it down more simply than that. Is it possible that Mark Dos Santos is a managing genius? And I was right three years ago. I, I think I'm forced legally uh, to say no. Um, yeah, probably. But uh, that's not to say that like he had enough. <laughs> he he. It, it's fair to say he's had plenty of hurdles to overcome, right? That weren't in respect to his managerial uh tactics and i think a lot of that had to do with reshaping the front office reshaping um you know how they acquire uh player acquisitions and how they went into determining and and identifying those players that they wanted um kudos to whoever it is that makes hiring decisions that they didn't like cut ties with him because they had bad seasons uh they obviously it, it there was more underlying issues with that club than just him, right? Well, that's the thing, right? Like you you <clears throat> you generally don't see teams patient enough to go through two or three years of that, even if there are obvious reasons. Like you would just go, well, we got to offer up a goat, a sacrificial goat here, or whatever. Um, I guess they call that a scapegoat. I think is the word for that. that that's, and, that's a term, I believe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, sacrificial goat, scapegoat, same idea. Uh, yeah. So like, at least he was not, you know, uh, thrown to the wolves as they say. And, uh, boy, a lot of just animal murder metaphors for me tonight. Uh, it's a thing, coach. It's a thing. <laughs> like, uh, I, I think, uh, so th- I, I think that patience might be starting to, to be rewarded a bit. And, uh, I'm, I'm excited for Vancouver fans. Um, I, I think you're right in that I, I think we can't get carried away just yet. Um, but, but, uh, yeah, the signals are there I'm starting to hear that little beeping, you know, under the water, it's going to be a thing. Uh, what have you thought about, uh, another club I found fascinating, uh, the Miami, uh, international Izali's football club, soccer club. So I don't know what to think about them because I feel like Pizarro has been really good, but I've also been told that he's not. And so I don't know what to think. <laughs> uh, I think uh, Gonzalo Higayen has been better than I, I thought he was going to be. Uh, don't think he's quite done. 
Correct. Uh, uh, LGP yeah. has been pretty uh, good, right? Pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, Fiegel, uh, not bad. Uh, Robbie Robinson, very good, promising in his not injured moments, which are slightly, which are sadly fewer and far between than than I think he and and, and Miami fans would have hoped. Uh, but in, yeah, in, in bragging things, you you got you got somebody to brag about, right? Like I believe uh, when we we did our uh, marathon of a preseason podcast, you specifically took time to talk about uh, Gregor. Gregor, man, Gregor is legit, and he's he's been pretty solid so far. Uh, yeah, going into going into time with uh, Miami. And then, uh, yeah, our other new guys are the Austin FC, which I haven't really, uh, honestly, like gotten a chance to sit down and watch much of. Uh, they seem okay. So there's a so our friend Jason Poon uh, kind of stirred the waters uh, today because he put out there about them. They have a lot of shots against. In fact, they have the most shots against. Uh, so far right now. Now, obviously, Cincinnati only has three games and they're competing very hard with Austin, which is not a surprise. Yes, but they are, <laughs> they are digging deep. <laughs> but uh, Austin's really not doing too well in the underlying stats category. However, there seems to be something there in terms of uh, how they've made to, they've managed it on the on the field. So. Jason Poon basically tweeted out the fact that he thought that uh, those shots would decrease over the course of the summer. Well, what do you, not th- what do you, to, what do you think not, about that? Like, they're not likely to increase because uh, there's a lot of them. It would be very worrying <laughs> if it went the other way. <laughs> it can't get any worse, Bob. Um, but yeah, I, I think uh, with Jason and Jason's a friend of the show. He's He's been on before. Uh, he... I think what he was getting at was just that, you know, there's this uh, idea of this uh, this Texas home field advantage in the summer, the heat. There's a very unique climate there in terms of, like, it can be really draining for teams. And I think there's something to that. We've seen teams go down into Texas and, you know, teams that were better than those teams playing in Texas and just look very gassed, look very lost, and not, not able to create as much as they uh, – uh, you know, <clears throat> their previous games would lead you to believe they were capable of. So uh, I'm – I'm not going to go and say like that's going to suddenly turn Austin into a great team, but I don't think there's nothing to that idea. I think it'd be really nice to see somebody put some uh, some effort into seeing if this is an actual thing. If this is something that over the course <laughs> of like our last seven years of ASA data, do you see? Do you traditionally see a dip during the summer months in expected goals against? Right? Is there a deviation during those months? And that's a little bit hard to capture on a on a single season. But if yeah. you combine, you know, Houston and Dallas numbers, and you yeah. take a look at that, and you you know maybe uh, contextualize for um, I for the for the months and everything. Maybe maybe there's some type of very deviation during those months. I don't know. Yeah, if we knew anyone that wrote for some kind of soccer website that did that kind of thing, we might be able to might be able to figure out someone that, that would do that. All right, I'll get I'll get to work on it this week. It's an Thank you. Topic. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if not, I will get Drew. And- we will we will check the narratives. Uh. I always do like to, to check these narratives. That'll be a fun one to look into. Um, but, you know, hey, call in if you got a take on that. But there's no phone number. Uh, yeah. So, so yeah. So, I think it's been a pretty good. Uh, who's, your, who's, your, who's, your, who's your stars of MLS right now, Harrison? Who's your, who's your best team? Who's your best player? 
Wow, you really put me on the spot on the spot with that one, man. Yeah, we got no script, baby. I'm just just rattling off ideas I, I, here. I know. Uh, you know, I don't necessarily have a best person right now. Um, I, I I think Chicharito is definitely kind of taking things by storm, but I don't know if necessarily he's the best. Rui Diaz has been really good, but I'm kind of worried that teams are going to isolate him. Uh, with can't isolate fact- Rui Diaz anymore, man. Got Will Bruin there now. Well, Will Bruin has been doing work. Let me tell you, he's been doing a lot of work. But uh, you know, you know who's who's right up at the top of the charts with Rui Diaz uh, is Ryan Hollingshead uh, in goals plus. Um, so I just <laughs> I, I, that, I just yeah. want to throw that out. It, well, we're talking do about you, game changing. Do you talent. think he got? Do you think he got any additional goals added for pretending to throw the ball at Giovanni Savarese? I may have, I, I may have, I may have gone and fixed. Did you the get in there and be like, "We gotta like the the, the effect is immense." No, because here. if you think about it, the the guy that does the majority of these calculations, uh, he would have. He, it's true. Matthias it's most true. certainly would have uh, subtracted. So in that context, you know he's ahead of Rui Diaz. Yeah, he has to be. Yeah, there's no he way. He has to be. Otherwise. Like, there's there there isn't any other way. There's so, no other way to be up. No, but I, like honestly, right now, I don't think that there's one person that stands above the, the rest. I think there's a lot of different players that um, are having really good narrative type seasons that might be floating. I, I think Castellanos uh, is having a really good start to his season. Uh, it, it'll be interesting to see if he can continue it. It'll be really interesting to see if he gets shifted off to the wing um, when Bear comes back or if... How yeah, that yeah. will they stick with a two striker setup, which has been really popular right now? It's it's in vogue. I don't know if you know this. this I really like the cool that. kids I'm, are doing. I'm really in favor of the striker setup coming back into vogue. I, I miss those old classic strike partnerships and like all the like little mental exercises you could do picturing new ones. Uh, I'm into it. Uh, I'm gonna throw a name like, out there, like Wayne Ra- Wayne Rooney and uh, Carlos Tevez. There you go. That's a reference I made to you earlier this week. <laughs> you did Take make it, time. but the, they did. The listeners don't know that I that that I didn't know that it went all right. Um, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a name out here to you right now. Who do you think, according to American Soccer Analysis, goals added metric is the best player so far this season? Uh, I'm really scared of this. Um, it's got to be a defender, right? It is. It's a uh, center back. Uh, I, I, uh, well, I know it's not Yamar. So, uh, uh, Eddie Segura or uh, someone LAFC style? No. No. Would you have thought in one billion years that it would be Andrew Fontes? Better back for Sporting Kansas City. The guy that's been perpetually negative and goal sided? Yes, that, that would have been my first guess. Uh, yeah, 1.11. He's, uh, according to our metrics, added an entire goal. Uh, right behind him, Rui Diaz, Hollingshead, Nani, Wilson, Boris Sekulich, who's a new player. Uh, and I want to also give a shout-out to a guy I think is having a pretty phenomenal season so far, and Daniel Lovitz, uh, a Nashville fullback that I am keeping one eye on um, for my, uh, you know, I love to watch fullbacks. Well, right. You're going to say your fantasy league. It's it's cool. We're on, we're on to you. We're We're down. Nah, sadly, I don't think I'm going to be able to extract him from from Dustin's team. But uh, yeah, uh, he's having a really good season. Uh, that's another thing we've I, I wanted to say. And I think Nashville as a whole have looked really interesting. Um, I kind of think that that we were talking about Austin earlier that uh, 
I don't know if they're going to like have that immediate kind of um, splash, but but I think well, I guess Nashville did ended up making the playoffs last year. Well, everybody made the playoffs last year. Let's let's be real. Well, Nashville but had a nice little run, right? They had a nice little run. They had a nice little run. Nothing wrong with that. Um, but I think that there's 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 a I could see if we talked about like uh, patience earlier to bring it back a little bit to Austin. Like, yeah, if they they're patient, like uh, Vancouver's been with Dos Santos with Wolf. I think that yeah, you could, that could be a successful little team down there. I do, I do, ha- I do have one alibi real fast. Uh, I, I said Fontes has been like perpetually in the negative. That's in my own mind. He's actually been pretty, uh, pretty consistently above average. He's like uh, one of those dudes that like, like Figueroa or whatever, where you're like, well, I don't know, I, my eyes couldn't tell you what he's doing, but like the math just absolutely loves what he's doing. Um, yeah, I, I don't think Fontes has any sort of uh, reputation as a. A, an excellent defender. I think. League. I think most of the time it's pretty negative, right? It's, like, yeah, it's been almost entirely negative. Uh, but uh, a lot of that kind of came from the fact that he was kind of pricey. I think when he signed, and then he just didn't really. Well, play SKC much. had that horrible season to where their entire back line was injured, and Matt Beasler got really exposed with, uh, you know, his lack of speed. And I think all of SKC, that whole back line was really exposed and they were just kind of consistently ripped to shreds. So I don't think that that left a really lasting positive impression. So let's, um, let's get into it with, let's talk about this Chicharito thing. Um, and I want to kind of compare and contrast him a bit with, um, Rui Diaz a little bit because I think these are your two guys that are sort of um, your leading uh, your leading strike men. Your 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 uh, narratively speaking, I, I don't think I'm pretty sure with actual goals as well. They're probably at least up there. With yeah, each six other. and five. When you look at what Chicharito is doing, like what do you, what do you think is different this year? Like what what's changed in between last year where it was awful and this year where it's really good. I don't know. That's really hard for me to say. It's really hard for me to pinpoint right now. I, I honestly think uh, they're really. I, I, I like the the comparison because I made the comparison earlier this week on uh, Jamon uh, Moore's show and their Quakes podcast, and we kind of talked a similar. They have char- similar characteristics, and I think furthermore, the teams are similar, and the fact that they don't really have a playmaker right now. Uh, that's going to consistently get them the ball. They have really good pieces and good attacking pieces, but they don't have somebody that can consistently create space and find space. So it's really up to that individual player to, to find those moments. And both of them are very capable of doing it. I think last year, um, I think, and again, this is just me thinking, this is my perception. I'd love to dig through the data, I think that they're just crossing too much. I think that they expected Chicharito to do more Zlatan things and less uh, Chicharito things. Yeah, one of the things we talked about last year with Chicharito before the season even started was like, uh, you need to be, you know, this is a big star. Chicharito's a huge star. Uh, he's got great pedigrees, had a great career. But like, you need to get your expectations in order. Because uh, if you're thinking this is going to be like another Zlatan, like that's, mm no, not at all. Um, it's just not the way he plays. Um, you know, he's not a great dribbler. He's not a great passer. He's a very dependent on service kind of guy. Um, and the LA Galaxy were really woefully bad at providing service, which is kind of why Zlatan Ibrahimovic 
had to go and do a lot of things basically on his own, um, which, you know, we can argue about whether that was to the benefit or detriment of them at the time, but, but that was just kind of the way it was. Uh, now I think that the galaxy are a more, they look a little more well-rounded. Um, I don't think they're a complete side by any stretch of the imagination. I think that, uh, you know, there's still some concerns there defensively. I think there's still, um, I'm not convinced by their, uh, like, Granser. You know, like, there's still some questions there. One thing I don't have any questions about is this really fun idea that they had about kind of platooning two older attacking midfielders in Vasquez and Kleshin. Uh, and that seems to be working really well. And uh, Vasquez has, I think, been a, a pretty big cog in why Chicharito is finding better shots. Yeah, that's a good shout for Vasquez. Uh, he has done a, a really remarkable job in the time that he's played. But kind of like what you said, they've been really platooning him. And it has been a traditional platoon because I think we've seen Sasha Kleshin in every game so far. And Victor Vasquez definitely has kind of an expiration date in those 90 minutes. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, if you can get like 60 and 30, if you can get 60 good minutes from Vasquez and 30 good minutes from Question, and you didn't have to pay DP money for either of them and you get the production of a DP 10, like, great job. Well, and not only that, but it kind of you get to tailor those those minutes to the type of player that you need, right? Because obviously Sa- Sasha Kleshin is going to do a little bit more running around. He's going to do a little bit more of the dirty work, grind a little bit. Vasquez, not so much, right? His his, his emphasis is going to be related to the ball and you know service and delivery, as you mentioned. So it, it is kind of an interesting situation that they have. Um, you know, when you have more subs in this league, you can kind of tailor scenarios and situations to players. You don't have to all of a sudden uh, kind of suffer for 90 minutes with a specific player who maybe doesn't suit your team for that full 90 minutes. And that's a very good point. I think that those extra subs really allowed uh, Vanny and, and, and the, the, the front office that were kind of building this and I think kind of maybe came up with this concept uh, to do something like that because you do you can just guarantee one sub there. You can say, like, this is going to happen at some point during the game and you're probably not likely to have four guys go down injured or, or whatever. And, you know, you, you don't want... You, if you have to leave yourself an emergency one for whatever... You know, you've got more room to wiggle there with uh, with the with, with the extra the extra men that you can do, and I think that's definitely been an underrated storyline so far this year. Is like how the um, how these extra subs have come into play. Like I think we see a lot of earlier subs than we usually do. Like a lot of halftime changes, a lot of like sixty and fifty minutes, and um, you know, it definitely just gives the managers a lot to work with, and it, it really does um, benefit. I think a team with better depth. Well, I want to say Devin Berger, uh, back before he was Toronto FC's guy, I think he wrote a paper, or maybe it was somebody else, wrote a paper on the best time to make a sub. And that best time to make a sub was like the 50th to the 58th, like I think it was like 50th to the 58th minute was like the optimal time to to uh, to utilize your subs. Well, now you can do, kind of do it a little bit earlier and you can make a bigger impact. Um, thinking about like the LA Galaxy, they kind of were able to... Was it LAFC uh, made two two subs uh, at halftime this weekend, right? And helped kind of change the inflection of the game early on for LAFC and made Greg Vanny kind of make some moves later on in the game because things very quickly were getting out of control. 
after the after the that start by uh, Bob Bradley. So it, it is kind of an interesting. It's it's more of a ninety minutes. You're not you're no longer locked in. You, you're seeing guys. Uh, I want to say RSL made a sub at like the nineteenth or twentieth minute because a guy just kind of had a limp. Uh, and it just was like, okay, yeah, just come on off. You know what? Uh, don't worry about it. We have this many subs. We can deal with this. Bob Bradley took Carlos Vela off in the 20th minute, and we never saw him again. <laughs> it is good. It's interesting. I do like the idea that it does create um, – I think it does give slightly older players more of a spot in this league because you can have this guy. You can all have your own Ilsenio. You can go out and get that guy. You know what I mean? Uh, sure uh what uh vicente uh just down <laughs> in san diego such like, a, he's down there still he, here he's down in san diego scoring goals somebody needs to go pick that guy up <laughs> get like him. get him <laughs> landon donovan running over and hugging him and uh, for them goals like come on bring him to bring him back get to mls him back bring landon back to you we can do it all we can do it all let's do it that's really all we have time for this week kind of a loose a loosey goosey show up at harrison I, I like Lucy Goosey, lefty, lefty, lefty Lucy. Hopefully, Lucy. all the uh, listeners did as well. Um, but yeah, as uh, I can't think of anything else we really need to to get too into. Um, uh, we could, gonna we, be we could talk back. about how bad Columbus is right now, but you know their their uh, logos kind of doing that. Yeah, we'll it. we'll just we'll let them we'll give them a week to deal with that before we get into the, the on field stuff. You know, um, Minnesota, we're coming for you next week. Loons, yeah. Look at we'll, y'all. Look we'll, at y'all. We'll be back just like uh, Pozuela will be someday. Pozuelo. Dom Dwyer signed with the Toronto Football Club. <laughs> I forgot about that. What do you think about Dom Dwyer signing for TFC? You don't want to ask me that. I no do want wants, to ask you. That. Nobody right. wants my opinion on Dom Dwyer. I want your opinion on Dom Dwyer. I like Dom Dwyer. Not as a person. Not as a person. Don't be so foolish. He's a very bad person, but. As a well, we don't player. know if he's a bad. We don't know if he's a bad he's person. Like uh, secondhand stories, <laughs> what they are. Like he, he, he may be a fine person. He's a very irritating player on the soccer field. That's part oh, of for his, for certain. His demeanor on the soccer field is is his frustrating. Modus it's hard to root for Dom Dwyer if he's not playing. I'm sorry. I am not talking for you. I'm talking for me. I don't think he's probably a good person, and that's fine. Know. That's my impression. That's the stories I hear. Anyways, we'll move on for that. I think that he can be a difference maker for Toronto. I think they need a third forward up there. It's really obvious that Akindale is like stuck in some other dimension uh, with an injury. Yeah, he, yeah, um, that's been so sad. Like I, he was Akindale was like one of the better stories of last year, and I really was hoping to see more of him. Josie's injured, which is no surprise to anybody. Um, and uh, you know, Mullins, your boy Mullins. I need a little help. Yeah, no, Mullins is not. Has I mean, it's sad because I think that uh, uh, Akinola went down, and they really kind of put Mullins in. Was like, show us what you really got. And to be fair, like Mullins has really just not delivered. Like he's had a couple of really good moments, but overall, it, it's it's not been good. It's not not been good enough to nail down a spot. It really has. This has this has all the makings of a move that will be irritatingly good. Oh, it's going. It's. I'm telling you right now, it's going to be good. It's Dom Dwyer is not a bad soccer player. Like, yes, he rubs people wrong. Yes, he is irritating on the field. Yes, his antics are over the top. He and had two very lackluster years, three years at Orlando. 
So it's not like he's coming from that SKC high where you're like, well, you got to give the man credit. He does score a lot of goals. Because it's been a while. So there is some risk in the move. But given what... One thing I will say, I do think he's rather durable, though. Like, I don't remember Dwyer ever missing a lot of time to injury. So... I think that's kind of been the I think that's kind of been the problem the last couple of years. Yeah, maybe so. So maybe like that's kind of like a good maybe that's a good move for Toronto. Well, we'll see. It's exciting. It's interesting. I think it's probably cost effective for him. You know, it took all- a really long time for Tom Dwyer to find a soccer team. A lot longer than I expected it to. I had almost completely forgotten about Dominic Dwyer, um, but but he's come back. Like that that cat in the song, you know, that comes back the very next day. I'm not familiar with that song. You know that song. It's no, I don't. Kid's song. No. Nope. Okay. All right. Whatever. Do you want? Right. Do you want to sing it for us? No. 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 It's a song. You could sing it. It's a song. Maybe I'll. Maybe I'll. <laughs> I'll find like a really cool indie cover of it and make it the outro music. Okay. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Elliot. Uh, or sorry, Simon. Get on that. You can't uh, mispronounce names. Don't steal my bit. All right. Uh, I just said the wrong person, Simon. Simon does a great job editing for us. If you see Simon out in the world, give him a, give him a high five. Uh, all right. And then uh, wash your hands. <laughs> yeah. Be safe, folks. Get vaccinated. Uh, thank you so much for listening. We appreciate you coming back this week. We'll be back next week. Um, you can follow Harrison on Twitter at Harrison underscore crow. You can find me on Twitter at a handle for Ian. Uh, please follow American Soccer Analysis on Twitter at Analysis of All and visit the website www.americansocceranalysis.com. We got MLS stuff. We got USL stuff. We got NASL stuff. We got NWSL stuff. It's a truly holistic American soccer website now, Harrison. Truly holistic. Seriously, a lot of great new data on there for lower leagues and, and, and WSL. Um, much credit to all the boys doing the, the hard work on that uh, back end of our uh, of our servers there and getting that data for everything. Um, Big props to to everybody doing the previews uh, for NWSL, which have been spectacular. Yeah, 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 yeah. Lydia and Ariel, like awesome, awesome stuff. Um, go check those out. Uh, very exciting things. Um, yeah, we'll be back next week. Until then, enjoy midweek Major League Soccer. Now old Mr. Johnson had worries of his own. He had an old yellow cat that wouldn't leave home. Tried everything he knew to do to keep the cat away. He took him up to Canada and told him for to stay. But the cat came back. The very next day the old cat came back. Thought he was a goner, but the cat came back. He wouldn't stay away. Now this cat was a terror, so they thought it was the best to give him to a fella who was going out west. Train ran around a curve and it hit a broken rail. Not a blessed soul aboard the train lived to tell the tale, but the cat came back. The very next day the old cat came back. Thought he was a goner, but the cat came back. He wouldn't stay away. Now they throwed him in a kennel where the dog was asleep and the bones of cats lay piled in a heap. That kennel burst open and the dog come out the side His ears chewed off and holes in his hide But the cat came back The very next day the old cat came back Thought he was a goner but the cat came back He wouldn't stay away Oh, they snuck into a shop when the butcher wasn't round And they throwed him in the hopper where the meat is ground The old cat disappeared with a blood-curdling shriek And the town's mincemeat tasted furry for a week But the cat came back the very next day The old cat came back 
Thought he was a goner, but the cat came back. He wouldn't stay away. I like this bit. <laughs> Now the farmer on the corner said he'd shoot the cat on sight. Loaded up his gun with nails and dynamite. He waited in the garden till the cat came around. Seven little pieces of the man was all they found, but the cat came back. The very next day, the old cat came back. Thought he was a goner, but the cat came back. He wouldn't stay away. <laughs> How many lives does a cat have? Well, they put him in a rocket ship, heading for the stars. Got a message back saying landed up on Mars. Said the men were doing fine, and the monkey and the rat, but they couldn't find a trace of the old yellow cat. And the cat showed up the very next day. The old cat came home. We don't know how he did it, but the cat came back. He wouldn't stay away. No, he wouldn't stay away.